I want to let some of you know that people were asking at my uh, surprise birthday um, bomb uh, Wednesday night if I was surprised, and I had no clue. I walked into a storm, and I was told more than a few times by some of the young people, some of the kids, of just how old I really must be if I had turned 60. And, and I thought to my, and I told a few of them, well, you think I'm old, you ought to see David Yomas. He's older than I am. Okay. And I didn't give any other names. Okay. So, oh, I just want to thank you guys. That was very special. I know everyone couldn't be here and would have wanted to be. And y'all pulled it off. Someone said, well, it's been in on Facebook and email. And then someone said, well, Pastor Scott never looks at those. <laughs> and, and I didn't. So I, I was clueless. I really was. Okay. Thank you uh, for those of y'all who really wanted me to know how old I am. Okay. I'm excited about today. I'm excited about this message about faith. Um, the spiritual gift of faith, but I want to talk about it in three ways. I want to talk about saving faith. I want to talk about sustaining faith. And I want to talk about mountain-moving faith. I want to talk about those three things. And I feel like before we can get to mountain-moving faith, we have to understand a little bit about what is saving faith and what is sustaining faith. Okay, so I'm going to pray. And then uh, I'm going to read... Hebrews chapter 11. Oh Lord, we know that everything that we have come to embrace as Christians is by faith. And everything that we need to do for you as Christians is by faith. And that you have chosen that in this world... The kingdom of God will advance by faith. I pray, O oh God, that you would help us to understand these three distinctions that we're going to try to make this morning. And we especially ask you, God, for mountain-moving faith. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Hebrews chapter... 11, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, <clears throat> for by it the people of old received their commendation by faith, we understand the universe was created by the word of God so that it is seen, what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. 
And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. For by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable, innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But it is they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered to Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac, your offspring shall be named. He considered that God was able to even raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry ground, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time shall fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, 
Samson, Jephthah of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they would not be made perfect. What a chapter. Does not... A weary soldier need to camp here a bit. What amazing things. Our study of, in spiritual gifts brings us to consider the gift of faith. And I want to discuss three kinds of faith. Saving faith, sustaining faith, and mountain moving faith. And how could we discuss faith without Hebrews 11? Let's look at saving faith. Saving faith is the faith that is needed to be saved, to become a Christian. The faith to first believe in Jesus and to enter into the Christian life. What you have to have to move out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. Saving faith is what enables you to change sides to declare God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as your captain and king. And it describes this kind of faith in the first three verses of Hebrews 11. Saving faith is the assurance of things hoped for. What are some of the things hoped for in the case of salvation? What do you hope for when you entrust yourself to Jesus Christ. Why would you want to become a Christian? Why are we convinced that people need to be born again? What are you hoping for? Here's what we hope for. Saving faith enables me to hope for eternal life. Let that sink in a minute. You and I are hoping for eternal life. Pardon of sins. You have any of those? A new heart. That you will rise from the dead and go to heaven. That you will be given power to overcome temptation. That you will enter into a right standing with God. That you will be given a new beginning. Does that interest anyone? Have you messed up already? How about the promise of a new beginning? It means 
that you believe that these things that we're talking about are real and available from God. It is a surge of confidence or assurance that it is true. And therefore you grab hold of God's offer of salvation in your heart and all that comes with it. You commit, you sign up, you believe, you join and you joyfully embrace Jesus Christ. That is the assurance, the confidence of things hoped for. Saving faith is also the conviction of things not seen. And there are many unbelievable things that I cannot see with my eyes, but I believe them with all my heart. I did not see Noah and his enormous ark. I did not see Moses and the Israelites crossing the Red Sea on dry land. I did not personally watch David slay Goliath or sit. I never sat and talked with a 900-year-old person or watch Jesus walk on water. I have not seen Jesus himself heal the blind, feed 5,000 people from one boy's lunchbox. I did not personally watch the prosecution, nor the crucifixion, nor the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And yet by faith I am convinced... I am convicted and convinced that these things are true. By faith, I am the conviction of things not seen. Saving faith also begins with the firm belief that the universe was created by the Word of God so that what is seen has not been made out of things that are visible. So my understanding and my unwavering position is that the God... I believe in is the creator of all things. Another way of saying this is that I believe Genesis with all my heart. I believe the creation narrative that opens the Bible is absolute truth. My worldview is built upon the belief that God spoke the world into being by the sheer power of his might and will and word. Do you have saving faith first of all? We need not talk and go any farther, at least for you personally, until you can ask this, answer this question. Do you have saving faith? Have you personally, personally placed your trust in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and His righteous, perfect life that He freely offered upon the cross just outside of Jerusalem and that he died to offer his life and blood to atone for human sin and rebellion to God and that he suffered unspeakable torment as God poured out his holy wrath upon his holy son that his offering of life was acceptable to God and completely removed the debt of sin and defeated death that he then in victory rose from the dead and promises to pardon and raise to life all that place their trust in him. Do you believe these things? And do you therefore take Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, to have and to hold, 
to trust and obey through this life and into the afterlife. Saving faith is not merely understanding these things about Jesus and believing them to be true. I want to restate that. Saving faith is not merely understanding these things about Jesus and believing them to be true. Saving faith is believing in Jesus and placing your trust in Him. It's believing those things to be true about Jesus and therefore believing in Jesus. You're not believing historical facts only. But your belief in historical facts becomes saving faith when you grab hold of Him. So, it is not asking Jesus to watch over you, but to live in you. It is not a religious affiliation with other Christians, it is a union with Christ. It is telling Jesus, I give myself to you. I am yours. You are my king. I give my life into your strong hands and want to live for your worthy name. Anyone who wants to can believe upon Jesus with saving faith today, right here, right now. And if that's something you have done recently or you want to do currently, I want to let you know that we will have a a baptism in September, September 18th. If you want to publicly profess your faith in Jesus... And if that date doesn't work for you, then you just tell me. And we can cross the river and dip you in the tuck. I shouldn't say dip, drown you in the tuck. No dippy-dallying around. (laughs) We will take you under. Okay, sustaining faith. Sustaining faith is the faith that we need every day to be able to live the Christian life on a daily basis with all the twists and turns and temptations and tests of normal Christian experience. It is how we, our lives are transformed and it's how we grow as Christians and how we deal with life in this broken, fallen world. And once we have saving faith, we now want to live that faith out consistently for the glory of God and the love of Jesus. So saving faith is the beginning, but we need sustaining faith every single day. Hebrews eleven six declares that without faith it is impossible to please him. Now salvation isn't you pleasing God. Salvation is you expressing your pleasure in what God has done for you. Salvation is you're pleased with what God has done and now you begin to live out your Christian life and you want to live a life that is pleasing to God. So without faith, it's impossible to please God for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. That's verse 6. Without faith, I cannot please God or live the life I am created to live. 
But with faith, I can daily seek to do His will. With faith, I can pray the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, to overcome temptation. And with faith, I can deal honestly with my sins and get back up when I fall down. With faith, I can show kindness to others. I can say no to sexual temptation. With faith, I can forgive those who've offended me and hurt me. By faith, I can witness for Christ. By faith, I can overcome drinking or drugs or change by God's power to become more like Jesus. In faith, I can walk, Galatians 5, by the Holy Spirit and not fulfill the lust and cravings of my flesh. With daily faith, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. With ordinary daily faith, I can lift my voice and sing hallelujahs to God. I can truly enter into His courts and praise His holy name, not just do church or play church. I can be a better father, a better son, a better wife, a better daughter. By faith, I can be a better friend, a better athlete, a better student. By faith, I can be a better volunteer. Without faith, I cannot please God. But with faith, I can. Do you need more sustaining faith? Are you here today and you have saving faith, but you need more sustaining faith? Is something in your life, is there something that has grabbed hold of you and it throws you down to the ground so that you are currently having a hard time living for God? Are you spiritually distracted right now at this juncture in your Christian life? Are you a Christian, but you know that you are not living in the power of Christ's resurrection? Do you have saving faith, but you need a big dose of sustaining faith? Can you be honest and realistic about what might be keeping you from walking close to God at this point in your life? It could be your work. It could be your recreation. It could be some particular temptation. It could be fatigue. You're just weary and beaten down. Maybe stress, worry, anxiety, some fear is keeping you from walking in strong faith with God. Maybe you're in an unhealthy relationship. Maybe you have some bad habits. Maybe some old habits have come back and they're kicking you in the gut. Maybe you have anger. You're just angry at something or someone. Maybe you have unforgiveness. There's someone and you cannot forgive them. What they've done to you is just too much for you to naturally forgive them and it's eating you up and it's affecting you when you come to the house of God and you cannot worship God because you have anger or resentment or bitterness in you. You open your Bible and as soon as you see a certain person, it just stirs something within you that's not of God and not righteous and it's keeping you from growing and developing. This puts you in a bad place and it's leading you down a bad trail. When is the last time you had a serious inventory of your soul to bring all matters before God with a slow and thorough time of personal repentance and confession? When have you had a slow and thorough time of repentance and confession? I'd be willing to bet for the majority of you it's been a while. 
because I don't naturally go there either. And if you're like me and I have a feeling that most of you are, then we tend to move along in our Christian life and we seldom stop to go deep into our heart and ask God to remove, to expose our own personal sins and to remove them and to do soul surgery, whatever the cost. Oh God, what would it take to root out this sin from my heart because it's in there deep and I've been ignoring it or dancing around it or pretending it or there's an area in my life right now that I just haven't been willing to, to give to you because it, blank, it brings me vile pleasure. When is the last time you had a serious inventory of your soul to bring all matters before God and a slow and thorough time of personal repentance and confession? Are you ready to raise your level of Christian living? Are you ready to return to your first love, to renew your commitment to Christ, to speak to God in prayer and tell God you are desirous to draw close to Him and realign your life with Him at the center? Share this renewed commitment with someone. If that is the beat upon your heart this morning, then do not Hold that to yourself because if you do, before you walk out that door, Satan will take that thought and wash it down the Tuckasegee River and it won't come back. Therefore, you have to take steps. When the Spirit of God moves, you must respond. You can't just sit here and go, that was a nice little thought today and for a moment I was moved. Movement is sustained by commitment. And if there's something in your heart that tells you this morning, I'm not where I need to be in my walk with God, if you have identified that you're lagging spiritually, then I'm asking you to make a commitment personally and prayerfully to God and then ask God to lead you to the most likely person that will help you progress. It could be before you walk out of here, you just tell someone. You can come tell me on your way out. You can just say, I really need to recenter. And I'll remember that you told me, and I'll try to follow up. Because sometimes, if you don't, Satan will snatch that seed before you walk out of this room. He will whisper in your ear, Don't tell anyone. Because you might not live up to it. Some of you are afraid that you're going to make one more broken promise and you're going to tell, you're like going, I don't want to tell anyone because I've done that in the past and I've slipped back. That is a lie from Satan. You might slip back, but I guarantee you, you'll slip a lot faster if you don't tell anyone and you hold it to yourself. If the only thing Satan has to do is whip you, he's got a piece of cake because you ain't nothing. But if in the power and spirit of God, you determine that God, you have ordained means and part of that means is the body of Christ and I need to tell someone in the body of Christ that I need to get my life back on track. I need to recenter my life around you. Then you're going to have to take some steps. 
Perhaps you would like to set up an appointment with someone on staff to talk about next steps. Perhaps you would like to tell an elder, a deacon. Perhaps you are an elder and a deacon. And you're not centered where you need to be. All right. Now, lastly, mountain moving faith. There's a lot of mountains around here. And some of those mountains need shaking, right? Mountain moving faith. This is what I am using to describe the spiritual gift of faith. Hebrews 11 includes information about saving faith and examples of sustaining faith, but we love it for its examples of mountain-moving faith. Mountain-moving faith is extraordinary faith, supernatural power from God pouring into and flowing out of a believer. It is an ordinary Christian who is chosen for an extraordinary assignment. It is a common Christian who embraces an uncommon calling from God. It is a man or woman just like you or me whose heart and life is open to God's power and God's will in such a way that God sees and delights in their faith and raises it to uncommon levels in order to advance his kingdom. Can you not see why we need sustaining faith saving faith, but we need mountain-moving faith. We need for there to be some in this body who are given a deposit from God of faith that rises above the ordinary and causes us to do extraordinary things for the glory of God. Everyone needs faith. Everyone needs as much faith as they can have. But God needs to deposit among some extraordinary faith in order that some of these mountains that are in front of us, these obstacles that are keeping us from carrying out the mission and work of God and the will of God, there need to be some that get a big old dose. Would you not agree? Would you not agree that as God can deposit in some It could be the means to move many. That's how this works. None of these people in Hebrews 11 lived alone. They lived in a community that was blessed by their deposit. We don't know their names, but they were carried upon the wings of faith that God worked into certain believers, and they carried often an entire generation with them, but they always carried some with them. And so God deposits spiritual gifts in the life and the body of Christ for the good of all. And this particular gift of faith, a larger outpouring for a mission and assignment from God is essential to our church. So I would ask you to pray that you would be open yourself to anything God might want to do in the gifting of mountain-moving faith, but that you would also pray that God would bring mountain-moving faith wherever He wants to disperse it in our body. You need to be praying, Oh God, please do what you need to do to lead us forward and gift people with all the giftings that we can do the work. And that means that someone in this body is going to be given a larger deposit to see the work of God and to go forward and blow the trumpet and say, come on, let's go. You see how it works. By faith, Abel offered something that was expensive and costly to honor God while Cain was seeking to offer the bare minimum. Does that describe any of you?
can totally, Cain totally missed the mark and Abel hit a bullseye. Which one represents you? Enoch built his entire life around God and it pleased God so much that God transported Enoch before he died and therefore he never faced death. What is your life centered upon? Noah spent 120 years building a huge ship which seemed ludicrous and idiotic to everyone else simply because God told him to do so and because God wanted to save humanity from the coming flood. Who would or could have done that without mountain-moving, ark-building faith? God picked the right guy and God filled the right guy with extraordinary faith. What task needs being done here and now? In our day, in our town, who will God pick to give a larger than normal dose of faith to advance his kingdom and save many souls? Are you available for God's work? Are you willing to be mocked and opposed if it be God's will? Abraham held on to God's promise for years. Things did not always go as he hoped. He made many blunders and his sins created problems for those around him. Yet in spite of all his weaknesses, he grew stronger and matured and held on to God's promise of a son through Sarah and a pathway for the coming Messiah. He clearly struggled with his faith, but he did not let go of his faith. And when the time was right, Sarah gave birth to a promised son. But the greatest test was when God told Abraham to offer up Isaac as a human sacrifice. And Abraham had no idea that he was demonstrating the future when God would sacrifice his only son for us. And Abraham's faith created one of the greatest and clearest demonstrations of God's love. There are many more in Hebrews 11 of men and women who had saving faith and sustaining faith, but whom God gave a larger deposit of faith that became a mountain-moving faith. Listen to this in verses 13 to 16. These all died of faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return, but as it is, they desire a better country, a heavenly one. These were all moved by God, then filled by God, and then moved mountains for God. They powerfully advanced the kingdom of God. They overcame their personal fears, Satan's strategies, naysayers, enemies, failures, and believed in God for impossible things. This is the spiritual gift of faith. By faith, people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. There were men more than we can list, like Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms and forced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, etc., etc., so many people of faith 
saving faith, sustaining faith, have been inspired, motivated, invigorated, ignited, reignited by those with mountain-moving faith. And there is always a need for mountain-moving faith. There is a great need for some God-fearing, Jesus-loving, Holy Spirit-filled, promise-clinging, Satan-hating, sin-fighting, battle-charging, holy warriors who are able to believe God for His next great mission. The worldwide kingdom of God needs and God always provides those who have extraordinary faith, those who gladly and really give their lives for God's work, those who are ready to be poured out as a love offering for God, those who give everything, hold back nothing. When God raises up such men and women of faith, then others must pay attention to what they are saying and doing. We are all impacted by the mountain movers chosen by God. David was a mountain mover who was willing to face Goliath and an entire army charged forward filled as God filled him with the Spirit. Moses and Joshua were mountain movers and Israel stepped out in faith to do impossible and supernatural things through God's power and their larger than life faith in God. William Carey left England to go to lost souls, the lost souls of China. Adoniram Judson left America to assault the evil forces of Burma. Jim Elliott laid down his life to take the gospel of Jesus to the headhunters of the Amazon. And then with unbelievable faith in God, his widowed wife Elizabeth went to those exact same headhunters who murdered her husband to risk her life to see them come to Jesus Countless brave families have risked their lives to hide Jews in homes during the Holocaust. Dietrich Bonhoeffer spoke out against the evils of Hitler and the Nazi regime as almost all other pastors said nothing and cowered to government powers and he was imprisoned and executed. Richard and Sabina Wormburn Wormbrand were tortured for Christ. A long path of mountain-moving Christians spanning thousands of years are recorded in Fox's Book of Martyrs. Modern believers with shocking courage fills the pages of every fresh printing from the magazine Voice of the Martyrs. Those who are modern parallels of Hebrews 11 are moving mountains for God's kingdom. There are noble, there are some noble politicians, some Supreme Court justices, some legislators, some cabinet members, some writers, some journalists, some governors who are willing to speak out against modern evils and against powers and principalities. And some are clearly and unashamed believers who do not flinch to make it known that it is their faith in God and the relationship to Jesus Christ that motivates and empowers them to do God's will and stand for God's truth. So here is the conclusion. There is a great need for more and more people to experience the power of God. We need to see and hear and tell and take part in the work of God's kingdom. This is why we are here. This is why we exist. This is our mission. This is our purpose. And to this end, God has given each one of us gifts. Every Christian has gifts, and one of those gifts is the gift of faith, mountain-moving faith, not just saving faith, and even more than sustaining faith, we need mountain-moving faith to advance the name of Christ and carry out our mission for our King. So let me go back and ask you one last time about saving faith. Do you have it? 
If not, then call upon the name of the Lord and place your trust in Jesus Christ today. Believe in him unto salvation and then make a profession with your mouth. Confess Christ and get baptized. Baptism doesn't save you, but it helps identify you. Profess him today. And what about saving faith? Is your faith, is your walk with God more like a crawl lately? Do you need personal revival, renewal to get back on track, back on the, back in the race, to take a hard look at your life, your schedule, your spending, your commitments, your devotion to the things of God has been crowded out, placed in the closet, has been buried under the dust on your shelf. Do you know and feel in your heart that you need a fresh surge of power and faith and joy and determination and zeal? Then do something about it today. Let it be known that you are ready for next steps. You are ready to make some adjustments to put God back where he belongs in your life. And mountain moving faith, could it possibly be God is absolutely causing some of you to next level faith. God wants you to give some of you a large deposit of the Holy Spirit in the areas of believing God for impossible things. I have two questions. What does God want to do at Webster Baptist? To carry out this mountain To carry this out, we need mountain-moving faith. We need more faith in our leaders, our elders, our deacons to be willing to carry out whatever mission God has for us. We need a large outpouring of the Holy Spirit to inspire bold evangelism, taking a stand for truth in our community, the fight for life, ministry to the poor, hungry, downcast, abused, adoption, foster care, world missions, local missions, reaching families, restoring broken homes, broken marriages, overcoming a Addictions, preparing for ministry and seeing people out in the name of Jesus, sending people out in the name of Jesus for the sake of Jesus. Could we possibly do that without mountain moving faith? Can we do that on our own? We need to have a voice to be salt and light at the college, in the schools, on ball teams, as students, in chat rooms, with guard with um, gamers and nerds and jocks and nuns and atheists and liberals and BLM folks and police officers and troopers and teachers and musicians and accountants and landscapers in the retired community, nursing homes, hospitals, fast food stores, retailers, etc. To do all of this, we need some people with courage, big ideas about a big God who can knock down barriers and change lives. We do not exist in order for you to scratch your religious itch. We are not here to provide a nice, safe place for your family to live the American dream. We do not have a calling from God to sit in circles and have share and share our thoughts about Bible passages. We exist as a church to help people connect with God and with others, to grow in your faith and readiness, and to go in Jesus' name and do the work of God that he wants to do in this generation at this time. So pray for this church and the Holy Spirit will bless us with the gift of big faith, extraordinary faith, mountain moving faith, no matter who it comes to, no matter who it comes through. Bless us, Lord, with some earth moving equipment. And the second question, how can you exhibit greater faith? in God and greater confidence that he is able to do all his holy will and that he is able to carry out all his kingdom designs. If you are a teenager, what can you ask God for? If you're very young but already have faith in God, how might God use you and what 
do you want to ask God for? If you are serving in the church in missions or life groups or music or tech or children's ministry or youth ministry or college ministry, local missions, prayer, how can you pray and seek to hear God's voice for whatever endeavor, faith endeavor he has for you? Then you can pray, dear Lord, help me to believe that you can use even me. Help me to see the potential for great things where I work, where I live where I go to school, where I shop, where I play. Help me to believe in something big because you are worthy and because it is your will. Father, we just plead with you today that you would give us such a deposit. Father, it could be that this spiritual gift of faith is one of the ones we most quickly look over just because we, we think we... We know what it's about. But we just ask you, God, to work in our hearts. I pray, Father, right here, right now, if there's anyone here that just needs saving faith. If you're here today and and you believe in response to God's word and God has been working in your life and you're ready to make a commitment to Jesus Christ right now, then I call upon you right where you are to place your faith in Jesus. And you say yes to Jesus. Yes, Jesus, I want to be saved. Yes, Jesus, I believe in salvation through your righteous death and your powerful, victorious resurrection. I want you to come in my life today and I place my life into your hands today. Be my Lord and Savior. Maybe you prayed that prayer today. If you need sustaining faith and you say, Lord, I'm really not where I want to be. I'm not where I need to be. Will you come into my life and renew my love for you? Renew my passion. Help me to rethink my checkbook, the way I spend my time, my devotion to the church of Jesus Christ and the work of God. Renew me and replant me full of life in the work of your kingdom. And lastly, Lord God, would you give a deposit? Would you pour into someone or several people larger than life faith that we can do the work, all the work that you've given to us? Give us this gift of faith, oh God, in our church where there are people who will believe you and carry us in the, in the wake of their faith. Oh God, make a large deposit of faith in our church to lead us forward to do great things. And we pray for that in our world, God. Raise up people in our day. And we thank you for the people that you've raised up. There are people doing work in the kingdom of God that's extraordinary. And we want to honor what you're doing in them and through them. And we pray that you would protect leaders from the attacks of the devil. And we pray that you would advance your glorious kingdom. Oh God, in your name we pray. Amen.